Welcome to the Whole Equestrian Podcast, where we're bridging the gap between riding and wellness, discussing topics related to mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. Our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. I'm Emily Hamill, an international five-star level eventer, dedicated practitioner of yoga, Pilates, and meditation, personal development enthusiast, and plant-strong athlete recording this in sunny Aiken, South Carolina. And I'm Tyler Held, a semi-retired professional five-star group and doctor of sport and performance psychology, a lifelong learner and adventure seeker, um, also a gym owner and blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I'm recording in Chester County, Pennsylvania, which is less warm and less sunny, but uh, honestly, we haven't had any snow, so I'll take it as a win. Yeah, that's, that's not so bad for February in Pennsylvania. No, and we've had, we've definitely had, like, some oddly, like, t-shirt weather days, so, I mean, I don't know if it's, like, a bad thing because global warming and stuff, but, like, as someone who hates the winter, I'll take it. Yeah, I I get that, and I have lucked out. The weather's been absolutely beautiful here in Aiken. The first, like, two days were a little bit rainy and kind of cold, but um, since then, it's been awesome, and this week is is pretty perfect. It's going to be in the 70s every day. I think one day it might get up to 80. Um, But yeah, the nights have been pretty warm too. So there's not blanket changes, which makes my life so much easier. But anyway. Yeah, that's the worst (laughs) thing about Aiken. Like when it gets warm and it's like, oh, so warm. And then it's like, oh my God, it's going to be like medium blankets at night. And then you have to do it at like nine o'clock at night when the sun goes down. But, uh, you know, such is life. Right. Just part of life with horses. But anyway, we would like to welcome you or welcome you back to the whole equestrian podcast. As we said in our intro, our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. And we do this by having conversations about being more well-rounded individuals via our pillars, mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. We release one main episode a month, but have also had some exciting guests on the show. So make sure to check those out. Yeah, I think we uh, have some plans in the work for another guest episode here soon. So you guys will have to stay tuned for that. Um, This month, however, it's just Emily and I, and we're going to be talking about thinking for yourself. So um, in an episode back in the fall, Emily talked about how British riders seem to have a lot Uh, do a lot more riding on their own versus riding in lessons. And it seems like in America, we have an over-dependence on riding with a trainer, whether you're at a show or, you know, just riding on your own. There's definitely, like, this reliance on feedback and having someone there to, you know, show you, hold your hand, all the things, having our trainers warm us up for a show. Sometimes we can't have them there right? Professionals might ride 10 horses themselves. They might not be able to make it to the warm-up. You know, sometimes you have a trainer that goes south for the winter, and then you're stuck all winter in the indoor kind of just putzing around and feeling like you don't know what to do. So definitely want to talk about some of the concepts behind this and some suggestions from the view of Emily as a rider trainer and me as a sport and performance psychologist and groom. Well, I can't wait to get into all of that. I'm sure we're going to have some actionable advice for our listeners. But before that, I think we're going to touch on our word of the year and goals. 
So my word of 2023 is create and, um, I am sticking with my word. I think it's been great and it's really helped to guide me towards creating the life that I want this year. And as corny as that sounds, it's like true. And that's what I want to focus on. Um, And then as far as goals related to this word, I am in the process of making an online course and I'm really having fun uh, learning how to create an online course. There's a lot to it. um, And I'm, I'm working with some a good team to help me navigate all of that. Uh, And then also I'm really working towards my best personal five-star score uh, at Kentucky. That's the plan. Fingers crossed. Everything goes well. And now that we're in Aiken, I have definitely stepped up my training and it just feels a little bit more real. Like the season has begun I've been to Bruce's Field a couple times with Barry, show jumped. Yesterday I did, I ran through my dressage test, and uh, earlier this week I had our first cross-country school since Burley, so that's been a while, and we did that with Philip, and Barry was awesome. I thought he was going to be, like I knew he was going to jump well because that's not really a question, but I was like, oh, he is going to be real sassy, and he was perfect. It's like we didn't miss a beat, and he hasn't jumped a cross-country fence since September, so I was really thrilled with that. Um, So that is, I would say, one of my biggest goals this year is just improving our overall performance, and then also uh, working on a longer-term barn solution, have a few things in the works, and... Yeah, just going to work on creating that. What about you, Tyler? Uh, So for word of the year, um, my word is Paragon. And like basically trying to, uh, Paragon is a person of excellence or like a, a, a vision that you're kind of looking up to. And so part of this was me trying to live the life I suggest to my clients, like doing the journaling, doing the confidence log, uh, really getting into self-reflection, making sure I take time to stretch, breath work, all of that. And I realized that even as someone with their doctorate, even as someone that knows a lot in a lot of different places, like it's still okay to ask for help. Um, And so I recently hired a nutrition coach to help me do my weight cuts a little bit smarter. Um, I started talking to a mental health provider just to make sure that I'm keeping myself on track in terms of all of that stuff and just having that as hey, like you have to put the effort in to show and to be that person and and it is okay to ask for help even if, you know, you're trying to be an example, set an example. It takes sort of stuff from both ends of the spectrum. And then another sort of like reflection on that was I was down in Atlanta last weekend competing and you know, I flew there by myself. Like I said, I was working with a nutrition coach. I feel like my weight cut was really good. I feel like my warm up was good. I feel like my mindset was good. And like in the actual competition, I did a lot of really good stuff, but I wasn't able to win either of my matches. Um, the first one I lost on points, there was just like a couple of things that 
again, I did really well. I just didn't finish getting the points. Um, I feel like I could have won both matches, which I think was more frustrating for me than anything. And like, there was a lot of pressure for me to just like be okay with it, right? Like to feel like, oh, like this is nothing, like this is fine, this is whatever. Cause like, that's what I tell people all the time. Like as long as you went in there and like you gave your full effort, like that is a win. And I was really disappointed in myself because in some ways, like I did give my best effort, but in another way, I also knew that I could do better. And one of the things, um, Emily, that you said, I, I did a little interview with Emily, hopefully for an Eventing Nation article that should be out soon. And uh, Emily, you said that when you have a disappointment, you kind of just like let yourself feel it for a little bit. And I really needed to do that, right? Like I was upset uh, the night after I flew home. Uh, I, I got up and like I went back to the gym and it took like me grinding out for an hour and a half in the gym to feel like, okay, like I can move on from this. I can go, I can work hard. And so even in this space of trying to lead by example, there are imperfect things that are going to come out. And I am working on navigating that again, like it sucks to lose it, it, it but my goal is never to win. It's to do my best. And, and I feel like there's a lot of stuff that I need to be proud of but also the realistic lens of like, okay, yeah, like there is stuff to learn. There is stuff to work on. Like, let's go put in the work. I'm a month away from the Pan American Championships now. So yeah, just kind of a little aside on that. And then um, for my goals, I actually wrote them down. So I, I'm looking at my little sheet now. I finally have my desk set up and I have like my sort of feng shui area workspace. So I've got my goals written on a sheet right by my desk. Um, and so you guys know one of my goals that I'm working on is learning Portuguese. And I think it's really interesting, like just knowing what I know about motivation and stuff like that. Like I was so into Portuguese, like the first uh, I'm 75 days in and I would say like the first 70 days I was like, yeah, like I'm learning Portuguese. I'm doing really good. Like everything's clicking. And I just this week hit the point where I'm like, Ugh what does that word mean? What is this? What is that? Like, why is it wrong? And it's just so funny that our motivation is so tied to that feeling of competence, that feeling of doing well, the feeling like you're getting better. And so as soon as I kind of reach this point where I'm like, wow, like they just gave me 20 new words that I can't keep straight. They're like all verbs. I don't know. It's just like really messing up in my mind. And, uh, and it's like, I haven't been doing it as much when that's when I should be doing it more is when it gets hard. I don't know. It's just like something interesting to think about, but I'm still, I'm still on track. Um, my, my goal is to still read a book in Portuguese, um, by the end of the year. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Cool. Uh, and I have no doubt you will reach that goal. But yeah, thanks for sharing that about kind of the motivation because it is, I would agree, you know, like when you're first starting and you're learning a lot and you're making progress, it's like very exciting. And then when you get to that part where it starts to become a little bit harder, you kind of question everything. So I think that was a good thing to point out and that's a normal reaction for people, so. Yeah, and I, I think it parallels like, even in horses, right? Like when you first start learning, it's like, oh yeah, like there's all this good stuff. And then you reach a point where it's like, wow, this dressage, like there's so much to learn. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like I don't know anything. And then that sucks, right? When you feel like, oh, I just don't, I don't know anything. And I've been riding for X amount of years and I've put X amount of lessons and X amount of hours. And I feel like an absolute buffoon up here. It's really difficult. 
Yeah, uh, that is relatable for sure. <laughs> so, um, you know what time it is, Tyler? It's time for books, 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 books. books. Okay, a little bit off there, but we are also not recording in person, so I think we'll let yeah. that one slide. We're, we're a couple hundred miles away. So. Yeah. All right. So this month I am reading The Power of Intention by Dr. Wayne Dyer. And the subtitle of this book is Learning to Co-Create Your World Your Way, which is pretty perfectly aligned with my word of the year. So I came across this book through Jay Shetty, who he has a podcast that I listen to quite frequently called On Purpose. And anyway, he suggested this book and I've heard about Wayne Dyer through other people and, you know, been interested in reading some of his work. So I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, There is an excerpt in the book that really kind of resonated with me and hopefully it will with some of the listeners. So it says... The highest functioning people understand that if you don't have a story, you don't have to live up to it. Get rid of any parts of your story that keep you focused on what has always been. And for me personally, you know, with Barry, I've kind of created this story of like, oh, well, dressage isn't really our thing, but we we jump well, which, you know, the jumping part is very true. And I will stick to that story. But, uh, you know, the dressage part it's like if I continue thinking that that's kind of like how it is, it's hard to change it, right? But if you kind of create a different sort of internal dialogue about the situation, um, you know, I'm trying to set an intention of changing that and improving. And I don't know if that makes sense to you, but yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely does. I think there is so much power to like the stories that we tell ourselves and, and it ties really into that fixed versus growth mindset that we talk about. And, you know, I always use the example of me telling myself I'm not a runner. And then I read that book and I was like, what if I am a runner? Right. And then I like ran a half marathon. It's I that's so aligned with what is actually empirical research on the things that we say to ourselves. Cool. So what are you reading? So I like kept your little comment about one book this time <laughs> because I don't know if it counts because I'm I'm in the third book of a three-part series mm-hmm. um, and the it's Autobiographies, Memoirs by Dave uh, Petzler, Peltzer, Peltzer, I don't know. I think it's Petzler. Um, anyways, the book is called A Child Called It. And it basically details uh, what they literally say in the book is the third worst case of child abuse ever reported in California history. And like, we are talking stuff that I don't even want to like mention on the podcast because I, it, it's triggering. It's like very, the first book that the child called it is literally like goes through his childhood trauma. And what's most sickening to me is he is like in a family of four brothers and he he's like not the youngest like he's a middle child and for some reason like the mom just decides that the one kid is not 
worth like being called by a name she doesn't feed him she like makes him sleep in the basement or in the garage on a cot and like doesn't let him eat meals with everyone makes him run to school all while she's being like a nice normal loving mom to the rest of the family and so I'm in the third book right now and I'm kind of hoping they get more into like what caused like the mom to to do that um but yeah the first book is the, the abuse the second book is his transition into foster care and then the third book is like uh reflections like of manhood and he like goes into the air force and I'm, I'm just a few chapters into the third book um but to me i i've said this before and i'll say it again like i i like reading memoirs of people that have come through really bad situations because I find it really inspirational and I don't think like you know trauma is really something that you can compare like we all have all forms of trauma whether it be little t trauma or big t trauma like obviously this is big t trauma um but the the one thing that I always come back to is like when you do experience a trauma in your life it's not your fault but it's your responsibility to deal with it. And so I'm sure there's multiple cases that of people that have undergone the same circumstances that commit suicide or, you know, get into drugs. And uh, Dave ends up being a motivational speaker and like helps a lot of like foster care system stuff. And uh, it just really goes into that choice of the mindset. And, and so I, I love to be reminded that we have a choice and, you know, we have to make that choice every day and continue to persevere in spite of whatever circumstances that may come upon us. Yeah. No, I love that. And yeah, I'm sure it was hard to read, but again, also like inspirational, as you say. So, yeah. I mean, his mom literally made him like eat his baby brother's diaper, like eat it, like shoved his face it is awful, awful. Yeah. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, on to uh, more positive things. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, um, you know, we've, we've, when we talk about our main topic in the episode, we usually go through mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. Um, we'll get into it. It doesn't necessarily super fit into the topic today. So before we get into the pillars, um, I just wanted to talk to Emily a little bit more about her experience overseas and her personal observation on why we're so reliant on lessons and programs in the USA versus other countries, just since uh, I know like, uh, I was talking to someone that said, oh, like it's really hard to like think for yourself in the warm up, or we're just so dependent here. And I was like, oh, you know what? Emily was saying that about overseas, that would be a really good topic for an episode. So before we even get to mindset, which will be the bulk of our conversation today, I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on the topic, Emily. Yeah. So, um, you know, when I first got over there, the first competition was at badminton. So, there, there was coaching involved because it's a, you know, it's a big scene and people have big goals tied to it. Uh, so, you know, I would say it was pretty similar to the five stars that I've done in the States. You know, there's the, the coaches helping to get the riders and the horses performing at their best. But then when I went to the first show in England, I wasn't even competing. I went there to coach this girl that I was helping a little bit, Nellie, uh, shout out to Nellie, 
and her adorable pony, who's like a mini berry. Uh, but anyways, I went to coach her, and I think I was the only person in the warm-up, like, coaching someone. And there's a lot of people, and there's a lot of kids, and um, so it was just interesting to to see that. And then I was talking to Mike Winter, who I stabled with while I was over there, and he's like, yeah, you just don't see that over here. There's not really coaching at the shows per se, not saying that they don't get lessons uh, on a a pretty regular basis, but you know, I think it's, you prepare ahead of time and then you're kind of set out on your own to do do the thing. Uh, And I think there's some real value in that. I think it, if you prepare well, you should have the confidence to, do it on your own, you know, um, when it comes, comes down to it. And it, it was pretty amazing seeing like all these kids just super confident going out there, jumping their ponies over, you know, I would say sizable things. You don't see that quite as much, uh, here and it's clearly working for the British riders. So Yeah, no, I mean, they produce a lot of really good results. So I think anything that we can learn from them is, uh, is really important. So, um, so yeah, so with that, like, I wanted to talk about a little bit of some of the like more sciencey stuff behind this, um, in terms of mindset. And then Emily, I'll let you take away like with your personal, um, opinions and, and whatnot. But for me, I think it's really important to talk about why uh, we need to be able to think for ourselves. And so I I was actually, um, I'm preparing, I take my CMPC certified mental performance coach test tomorrow. And there's a whole section about practice and like feedback. And I found it so applicable to like what we're gonna talk about today because so many times people in a lesson, right? Like they have their rider const or their uh, trainer constantly in their ear saying, uh, wiggle your left rein, right? Put your right weight in your right heel, all these like little micro adjustments. And I've actually done a few exercises um, in sports psychology while I was working through my mentorship hours where I would have riders ride through a dressage test completely on their own and then ride through a dressage test with their trainer giving them feedback and they they level up when the trainer's giving the feedback. And it's not even that much or that specific. They're just like, oh, like they trust the trainer's feedback a little bit more because they're used to having it in a lesson of like, be here, be here, be there. Well, when you're in your actual dressage test, you're not going to have your trainer in your ear. So just a little bit about like, what feedback is, right? So there's two different kinds of feedback. Uh, Knowledge of results, which is verbal feedback about the outcome of a movement in terms of the environmental goal. So, you know, like your coach says, good good job, like great test, like you scored a 29 or you jumped a clean round. Like that's literally just like results-based. You know you did good, either jumped the jump, you didn't. Um, more often in equestrian sports, we're working with knowledge of performance, which is specific information about the movements that lead up to the outcome. So this is those 
little micro things like you're able to keep your balance and use your leg to execute your geometry or uh good job keeping your heels down, great approach to the jump, this, that, the other, you know, or it could even be some negative stuff, like you really slumped your shoulders there, and that's why you missed a stride, or just those those little things. Um, and then feedback from the learner is task intrinsic feedback. So that's like you feeling like you have the authority to say, I did this a certain way, and this happened. Well, what happens when we have riders and trainers providing so much knowledge of performance results is that our task intrinsic feedback isn't as strong and it is really well recognized that too much feedback can provide dependency so if you're always getting that sort of knowledge of performance you might not be able to make the same improvements as if you get feedback like during certain times right if you're if you're in a lesson and your coach is like saying something every other stride or or even every stride that is like way too much feedback that's not going to create this ability to think for ourselves so it's a collaborative approach for for us to kind of say okay can i control when i want feedback right uh can I ask, hey, this doesn't feel right, like, what do you think? Can I take the the reins and say, like, okay, like, I want to make sure I can create this quality for myself in a lesson, and then I'm going to check in, is that round enough? Uh, are they heavy in my right rein? Like, all those little things of actually controlling that, or having some sort of bandwidth feedback. So, uh, an example of that in like a more quote unquote traditional sport would be uh, for a baseball player that's hitting, right? And so their coach might only give them feedback if they swing outside of the strike zone. So for riders, it's like, okay, only give me feedback when I go off balance or my geometry is not right. So it's not every single second because you can always be improving something every single second but if the coach's voice in is in our ear we're never going to be able to produce that for ourselves. does that make sense yeah that makes a, a ton of sense and uh at the end of the day it's just you and your horse out there on course or in a dressage test so having that task intrinsic feedback is that the right the terminology is really important. Um, yeah, yeah. So feedback from yourself is yeah. the is the you know task intrinsic. So, okay. um, and then and then the other thing that I would say about that is like goal setting is such an intentional and collaborative process between coach and rider of being able to pick things to focus on during your ride, like people hear goal setting all the time and they think, oh, my goal is to do Kentucky in the spring. Okay, cool. But like, what's your goal for a particular ride? What are you working on? How can you set that intention and take control of it so that you can give yourself intentional self-reflection, right? Like, oh, I am doing good on my goal of keeping my heels down or I'm doing good on my, you know, goal of creating more suppleness in the right rein. And just those little things of like being able to work with your trainer, but also set those goals for yourself, right? If you don't have those goals for yourself and you're like, I'm just going to see what my trainer says today, it's probably going to be thwarting 
your own progress and it's going to be frustrating for your trainer, right? You're, I, I mean, Emily, you can shed some light on that, but I feel like as a trainer, like, I don't want to have to give the goal to my rider every time. Like, I want to know that they're thinking for themselves and they're, they're understanding what they need to do to progress without me holding their hand. Yeah, I would agree 100%. And that's why I always like at the beginning of my lessons to ask my students, like, what have they been struggling with? Like, what do they need help with? Because hopefully they have done enough work on their own and enough self-reflection that they understand what some of their problems are. And then that way I can help guide them towards fixing them. Yep. Yep. So what, what other things do you think help prepare riders for riding on their own or something that you would do if you know that you can't be at the warm up? Yeah. So the biggest thing for me is I want to instill confidence in my students and, um, you know, I'm obviously going to do that in lessons, but I want to give them confidence so that they can feel competent enough to ride on their own. And for me, I don't really want to give a student more than two to three lessons a week because I want them to have enough time to practice what I've been doing. And again, like work through it a bit on their own to gain more confidence in their abilities. Um, Obviously there's situations where they might need more help if they're really struggling with a problem. But to me, if you don't have enough time to practice what you learn in lessons by yourself, we're really not going to progress nearly as fast, if that makes sense. Um, Yeah, no, and I I think just just to interject real quick, like, there's something to be said about, like, figuring out the end goal for yourself. There's, like, a huge rise in what's called the ecological approach to coaching, which basically talks about how do you instruct people to manipulate their environment to produce a result instead of specifically saying like, hey, do X, Y, and Z, you're basically trying to set them up for here is the end product. So instead of like for you, Emily, in your two to three lessons saying, I need you to move your hand an inch, like put your seat this way, do a certain thing. It's like, hey, the end goal is roundness. Can you make your horse softer? Can you create this feeling? So you're not in their ear giving them the input of X, Y, Z. It's like you have to figure this out. And if you're not riding outside of lessons, like you're not going to be able to put those pieces together of like, oh, yeah, like Emily helped me create this feeling in my last lesson. How do I get to that end goal without necessarily thinking so much about it? Yeah. And I also like to ask my students during lessons, like, tell me when you think what we're after is correct. So that they have to focus on the feel and then we kind of see if what they're feeling and what I'm seeing lines up so that, again, when I'm not there, they can feel when it's correct. So like if they say it's they feel it's right, but I maybe don't see that it's right, then I try to give them some things to like change that feel. And hopefully we get the feel, their feel and what I'm seeing to line up, if that 
makes sense. And I think that that's a helpful tool for any trainers listening is just to ask for that feedback from students because a lot of the time what they're feeling and what the trainer is seeing aren't the same. So um, just having that discussion I find helps as well. Yeah, no, and I like the this comment of like feeling versus seeing. That's a another point of I feel like video sometime can be really helpful for helping people think for themselves because what we feel in our body and what's actually happening are oftentimes so disconnected, right? And so if you have that visual feedback, you can be like, oh, me doing this certain cue actually does produce the right result. It just feels a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Another thing that I find help my students to ride on their own is in lessons to give them a systematic approach to how they warm up. So, you know, I'll give them different tools and exercises to help with different situations or like how their horse might be feeling on a certain day. But I have found that the more you can have a consistent warm up, the easier it then becomes at a show and you're just like, this is, this is what I do. You know, at what, once your horse and, and, you know, you yourself are warmed up, then the things might change. But I always find like a very consistent approach to how you warm up just again, can create clarity and also confidence as a rider. And, you know, then you can help your horse feel confident as well. Um, Another thing that I think is really important is to try to, and this is easier said than done, but to take emotion out of your ride, especially as you're warming up, you know, and I have to kind of remind myself of this when I'm riding Barry, Uh, you know, sometimes he'll come out, he's a little bit fresh or he's a little bit this and that. And it can be easy to be like, Oh, why isn't he just doing the thing? Um, but it's like, nope, we're going to stick to the warm up plan. You know, I'm going to do these transitions. I'm going to, um, you know, make sure he's moving off my leg and all of that. And just kind of focusing on that. And nine times, nine and a half times out of 10, when you just don't think so much about the emotion of it of like, oh, this isn't a good warm up. I'm not going to have a good test, blah, blah, blah. The more you can take that out and just ride, it usually leads to a better uh, performance, in my opinion. So, yeah, I I actually stole this uh, little mental trick from one of my clients. They said, oh, like, this is what I do if I have a bad warm up. And I, I just really liked it. So I've, I've stuck with it. But like, if you give whatever like emotion that you're feeling some sort of color, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, if, you, if you're angry, if you're frustrated, it might be a red, like, you know, whatever you're feeling, just pick a color. And like, think about like leaving a cloud of whatever that color is in the warm up. So like you're literally going to offload that emotion and like physically take it out of you and leave it in the warm up ring as you go to move on to your test arena and say like wow, like that was bad, that was emotional, but I'm going to leave those emotions there and I'm going to get in that ring and do what I need to do. I love that. That's a fantastic uh bit of advice there. 
yeah, I love little like mental imagery tricks like that. And like I said, I, I stole it, stole it from someone and I was like, I'm going to tell other people to do that. I think that's a great idea. Right. Uh, another thing that I encourage my students to do is if I'm not available for warm up or if, you know, no one's really around in the arena when the student is riding, you know, if you can have a, a friend or a family member be there as emotional support, like they don't even have to necessarily say anything, but I find that knowing that you're not completely alone is reassuring. Um, you know, just having eyes on the ground. And obviously if you trust this person and they know your situation enough and maybe they've watched lessons or whatever, you've had conversations about what you need help with, maybe they can just give you a couple words of encouragement as you're riding around. Um, and I have a little recent example of this. So yesterday, I took my two young horses out to Bruce's field for the first time. It was their first outing ever. And there was a lot going on at Bruce's field. It was a very busy day. It, you know, it, it was uh, a bit overwhelming, uh, but they both overall handled things very well. But I made a point to have someone there with me because, you know, when it comes to baby horses, you just never know. And just knowing that I had someone on the ground to like, give me a lead somewhere or, you know, hand me a lunch rope if I needed to lunch the horse or something like that, like just made me even as a professional feel better. So, um, yeah, I think just having, having emotional support is very important. And knowing, knowing who that emotional support is. Cause I feel like some riders like are triggered by certain people too. Like my my poor dad used to try to help me, right? And, like, knew nothing about horses. And I'd be, like, putting studs in and stressed out. And my dad's, like, hovering over. I'm like, Dad, you don't know what you're doing. Like, get out of here, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so so I think it's a, it's a, can be a blessing and a curse. But if you know if that person is going to be good for you, that's definitely yeah. really good, good Choo suggestion there. Choosing your emotional support wisely, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Very cool, very cool. Well, um... Anything to wrap up like that mindset or any anything else that you think like a rider could do in terms of just like mentally preparing themselves for that ride without a trainer? Uh, I, I think at the end of the day, it just becomes to or it comes to believing in your ability. Right. And knowing that, you know, if you put in the work and the time beforehand, like you are capable of dealing with the situation. Um Obviously, that takes like daily practice and you can't just expect to be fine on your own if you haven't uh, ridden on your own at home enough or whatever. But if you have prepared well, it just comes down to like believing in your abilities. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, getting that mental support and feeling like you can be mentally tough, mentally strong, mentally confident going in, I think is super important. Um, I, I think the biggest takeaway is if you if you ride with someone all the time, like if you're having lessons all the time and during those lessons, like your thoughts are your trainer's thoughts, basically meaning that your trainer talks the entire time and you don't have a conscious stream of what you're doing for yourself, 
talk to your trainer about maybe lessening that feedback and talk about how you can get more effective progression over less helicopter help. Yeah, exactly. And maybe this is where Philip Dutton has really nailed the the training approach. Get, <laughs> man, of, yeah. man of few words has taught his students to think for themselves. And yeah, anyways, just a funny, oh. funny side note there. Yeah, that, that makes me go. Yeah, I guess, I mean, maybe it goes both ways. Like if you don't understand like what they're saying, that is a deficit too. But, uh, but yeah, like being able to be like really curious about like what works for you and taking ownership. Like I think if someone is worried about riding without their trainer, like they should just be worried about showing in general. And mm-hmm. I and I don't say that to be rude or harsh or anything like that, but like at the end of the day, like our sport is dangerous. And if you don't feel like you can go and get yourself ready and have that check that says, this feels good, I know this, I can trust it, then like you need to either go work on your competence or you need to work on your confidence because one of those two things is missing. For sure. Well, I think that that ties that up in a nice little bow. So uh, shall we move on to fitness? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so in terms of like thinking for yourself in fitness, like to me, my biggest thing was like thinking about making sure that you know your own body and like taking the reins and discovering your own limitations and weaknesses and how they affect your ride. And I reflect back to like thinking about just having videos of yourself, right? Uh, so many times people I feel like don't, aren't aware of what they do in their body and how it affects them. Um, and so being able to take ownership of that outside of the saddle, again, I, I feel like we say this all the time, but I think it's worth saying all the time. If you don't have body awareness, proprioception, balance, and control on the ground, doing Pilates, doing yoga, doing a HIIT workout, how can you expect to go on a 1200 pound animal with a mind of its own and have body awareness, control, balance, all those things that make it, uh, make you able to be successful in this sport? Um, on a previous episode, we talked to Coach Sando, and I think since we had him on the podcast, he has really transformed his program. And he has like a really cool clinic series where he actually comes and like watches you ride and watches the imbalances in your body in the saddle to help create those corrective exercises outside of the saddle. And again, like, uh, I think he's got like a lot of exercise physiology experience and like that side of it can be so important. But like, if you, if you don't know where your body is, how can you expect to think for yourself without the coach's feedback of like, Hey, Hey, legs on, legs on, hands up, bend your, bend your, uh, this is something that I had problems with when I rode so much. My arms are so gosh darn short, short for my body <laughs> that I feel like I, I had this eternal struggle of trying to bend my elbows while also getting my hands in the quote unquote right place. And it just like created this really bad pattern of like 
bad position because I like, oh, I would put my hands in the right place and then my elbows wouldn't be bent. And I just didn't have the awareness to think for myself. And so I was constantly relying on my trainer to say, bend your elbows, bend your elbows. Like I rode with the whip behind my shoulders, like all this stuff. But, um, if you can't take ownership of your own body, you're not going to be take able to take ownership of your own training and your own progression. Definitely. Um, I, it's kind of funny that you bring up the bending the elbows thing, because I feel like I say that a lot to multiple students. Like it's a common problem. So you're not, you're not alone. Tyler. Okay. But like, so, you know, like how they have like the, um, like perfect measurements of like what your proportions should be. Mm -hmm. I'm like 90% sure that your wingspan is supposed to be the same as your height, basically. So like okay. from middle, middle finger to middle finger, that measurement should be like your height, right? So I'm five, seven. My wingspan is legitimately five, five feet long. Like <laughs> I, I got away with wearing such short shorts at high school because like, the the guideline was fingertip length my oh, fingertip right. <laughs> was like barely down my leg like my arms are legitimately t-rex arms and i don't know like i i i feel like now like emily you need to give me a dressage lesson one day just to see like what you can do with my arms okay challenge accepted let's do it get get buffy ready for me oh yeah so anyways, uh, what are your thoughts on fitness and like how this incorporates into being able to think for yourself? Uh, I think, you know, coming up with some sort of fitness routine out of the saddle is always good. And that being said, can be hard to make the time for it. Uh, but to me, it's similar to, to training horses, you know, as when I train a horse, my perspective is I need to figure out how to make this good for the horse so that they want to do it. You know, you're, you're trying to teach them that there's a benefit to them. Right. And I think when it comes to doing some of this cross training, you have to convince yourself that there's a benefit to you. And I have found that a little bit of something every day is often much better than a lot of something once or twice a week. And I, I've talked about it before, but like having a daily yoga practice to me is so important. And I do it every morning unless, I mean, there, there really has to be something going on for me to not have a yoga practice every morning. And honestly, it doesn't have to be long. Like I make it's, it's a minimum of 10 minutes, but oftentimes it's 20 to 30. Um, but basically, it's really just about creating a routine that you can, you can stick to. And um, yeah, whatever that means for you, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. But if you can repeat it enough times um, to find that benefit, like then you're going to start missing it when you don't do it. And I forget how, I think it's somewhere around 21 days that it takes to create a habit. Is that right, Tyler? Or am I? Yeah, I think that's like maybe pop psychology stuff. I don't think there's like actually like a ton of like 
findings that say like this this is it but it does take like it takes time to be in the maintenance stage of change right so when you're adding something into your routine like let's say stretching let's say yoga let's say an exercise practice basically for you to be in what's called the maintenance stage of that habit and routine takes six months like six months of you doing that consistently and consistently being motivated and committed to it once you hit that six month part it becomes like part of what you do and you're starting to maintain so I think for me you know like I I started doing stretching routines and I try to do a minimum of three times a week up to six days a week and I do it really religiously for like a couple weeks at a time and then you know I went down to Atlanta to compete and then I didn't stretch for a couple days which again probably when I should be stretching and that's where in the back of my mind I'm like ooh, like this isn't a habit yet right like this is something that I do because I think it's good for me but it's not like a habit mm-hmm. I don't know if that answers yeah. your question yeah, yeah no that does and you know going along with our topic of this episode of thinking for yourself is finding something that you think works for you and then having enough, uh, I don't know, desire, motivation to continue that, uh, to see, to see results. So. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Well, so next pillar is nutrition. And to me, like, yeah, maybe there's stuff that we can talk about in terms of like thinking for yourself nutrition, but we've talked about horse horse show nutrition plenty of times on the podcast. So I thought we would pivot and we would kind of just share something that we've learned about nutrition recently and uh, like healthy snack that we've been eating. So Emily, you want to go first? I will take it away. So, I mean, the biggest thing I've learned about nutrition and this is a really recent learning, but this is just an overall thing, is that there's so many differing opinions on what is quote-unquote healthy and what is not. And uh, we've talked about this before. Nutrition is very individual, and um, one thing that works for you might not work for somebody else. So I think the biggest thing is like you have to listen to your body, and it will tell you what it needs. Um and just noticing how different food makes you feel uh, because eating a salad versus eating like a greasy burger, I guarantee you're going to feel differently between the two. So just taking note uh, is something that I try to stick to. And uh, I, I'm not perfect in any way, shape, or form, but it is once you start to be aware of how food makes you feel, like even if you kind of give in and have like a cheat meal, usually later I'm like, why did I do that? I know that I wasn't going to feel good after that. And eventually maybe I'll, I'll learn my lesson, but anyway. And then as far as some things that I've been eating recently, I have been starting to put protein powder in my oatmeal. And I think Tyler, you've done this in the past, but like I'm, Oh, love protein oats. Yeah, but yeah. I, I am kind of like newly converted to this. But I, um, I'm trying to add some more protein into my diet just because I, I'm working really hard. And I, I've talked about this before. Sometimes I struggle with energy level, but then I'm like, maybe I'm not getting enough of, you know, 
the nutrients I need. Um, even though I do eat a lot, sometimes I feel like maybe I'm just missing something or not getting enough calories, whatever. So a favorite for me has been oatmeal with protein powder, and then I usually top it with like blueberries uh, because blueberries are one of the best antioxidants uh, that you can eat. They have so many health benefits, um, and I think that's pretty well-known. There, there's not too many people who are going to argue with the, uh, the goodness of blueberries. Also, my other thing, kind of a, a tip is to always have hummus on hand. I love hummus. I could put it on anything. And also, there's so many quick options when you have hummus. Like, I will top a salad with hummus. I'll spread it onto a sandwich, like butter or something. Uh, I've, I've shared my love for avocado and hummus sandwiches before. Uh, and then also, you can use it as a pasta sauce. Um, and then there's the traditional dipping things in hummus, but having hummus, always a good plan. Hummus for the win. Hummus for the win. I just got a Costco membership, yeah. so I got, like, a big thing of, like, individual packs of hummus because, like, I think sometimes I have, like, portion control oh, issues, so I if it. I get, like, a big thing of hummus, oh, my God, like, then you're like, okay, well, like, actually, <laughs> like, hummus is really a nutrient-dense right. food, which means it's not necessarily a low-calorie food, um, but I actually, I have got, I've got my little mini hummus containers. I think I'm going to make a little spinach wrap for lunch with hummus, so... I like that you should. I, I may need um, to do that because sometimes I will just like eat probably way more hummus than I should. But <laughs> well, you know, when you when you get back, we can go to Costco Perfect. together because I've got the Costco membership. So you can uh, you can use my Costco membership. We have to go together okay. though because like it's it's my face right. on the card. But you know who doesn't who doesn't love a little roomy trip to Costco? I love it. All right, it's a date. Um, one thing that I wanted to circle back on, on like just kind of you're talking about realizing that there's so many different opinions on what like quote unquote healthy is. Um, Emily and I were talking like, you know, I'm, I'm doing my weight cut for Atlanta and uh, the nutritionist that I'm working with like basically told me to cut fiber out of my diet. And, and guys, this is not uh, eating for health. This is eating for performance and eating for a purpose. But I think it's funny, like in the past, you know, I, I do a weight cut and it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to eat chicken and broccoli or fish and broccoli. And then like, when I get hungry, I'm going to eat nut butter and like, just very stick to like this stuff. And she's like, do you have rice crispy treats? Do you have gummies? Like we need to get you simple carbs that digest fast to keep your energy up. So you don't feel like crap when you're cutting weight. And I felt the most energized that I have. I got to eat more food than I ever have. And like the weight came off. I, I, I lost the weight. It, it was, you know, a little, it's always stressful to cut weight and stuff like that. But, but to me, it's interesting because you think, oh, like I want to be healthy while I do this. Well, as a performance athlete, sometimes health and performance don't always fit together. And so, yeah, I can eat healthy, you know, the three weeks leading up to my competition and then the couple days before to clear out the fiber and the gut and stuff you eat gummies and I love gummies so that was pretty cool um but anyways just like a little side note tidbit on that like you feel like you have to force yourself in a box of like this is what it should be or this is what but you need to supply energy for yourself you need to make sure that you are getting the right things and and doing what's what's good for you and your goals 
in that time. And like the goals are going to look different depending on the time of the year, right? Like my goal between Christmas and New Year's is to have fun and enjoy my friends. Um, and so it, it's, it, what I eat during that time of year does not look like the same of what I eat as I'm prepping for competition. And then once I'm done my competitions and I'm not going to weight cut for a while, I am going to eat, you know, my healthy salads and, um, lean proteins and rice and, and everything like that. But, um, for me, one of the things that I am working on is like learning how to let go of the stress of, is this the right thing I should be eating? And, and in a way, this actually does tie into our episode topic today, because I feel like nutrition is one of those things that like, if you're not thinking for yourself and you're thinking in terms of all of the nutrition advice out there, it will crush you alive. Like, because for every person that says, hey, hummus is really good for you, there's someone that says, oh, you should never eat hummus. You should never do that. You should. It's just wild. So if you get into the nutrition advice and the nutrition experts, you're never going to feel like you're doing the right thing. Whereas if you listen to your body and you fuel yourself and you know a little bit about macronutrients and fuel and, and everything like that, then you're going to be okay. Um, my weight fluctuates with between like a seven pound window, whether I'm weight cutting or not weight cutting. And it's ridiculously hard to get down to, on the morning of a competition, I weigh 157. I usually walk around like 163 to 165. That is not that big a percentage of my body weight, but it's ridiculously hard to manipulate myself down that way. But it, it, my range of eating doesn't really get me off of that weight, right? So it's just kind of like this weird thing of like stress is involved, like sleep is involved. There's so much more involved in weight and just eating to fuel your body and feel good should be the number one goal. Um, and one of the th things that I love to eat is cucumber salad. There's like 35 calories in an entire cucumber. Calories are good, by the way. You need energy. But I eat my cucumbers with soy sauce. Um, I love soy sauce, rice wine vinegar, and a dash of sesame oil. If you have never had cucumbers with soy sauce before, give it a go. If you want to get crazy, add an onion. I love that. I'll have to try that because I will say cucumbers is like – I will eat them, but it's not one of my favorite vegetables, but I'll give that a try. I love cucumbers. Hmm. I prefer them in the pickled form, you know? I love pickles, yeah. too. <laughs> love pickles. So. Anyways, enough, enough of us rambling about food and nutrition, but hopefully that's helpful because I feel like it's something that a lot of people struggle with. Um, community. So... Uh, I was curious to hear, Emily, if you support friends coaching other friends, which you kind of touched in on your mindset advice, but um, just kind of interested to hear, like, especially if, like, they're not a rider, what support do you think that they can give? I think that if you've had a conversation about how your friend can support you before the competition, that's a good idea. You know, like, if you've previously before you ask for their help like you've talked about it and you're you're clear as like this is what I need this is what I don't need um, because you don't want your friend coming in with unsolicited advice but I think that it can again as I said before it's always helpful to have eyes on the ground um, 
but they need to know you and your horse. Like you don't just want a random friend who A, doesn't really know anything about horses and your riding or B, has too many of their own opinions that don't align with yours. Like that would not be helpful. But if you have a good friend who who understands you and your horse and what you need, I, I'm all for it. If your trainer is not available. Yeah, no. And, and I feel like too, like knowing yourself and how you work in high pressure situations, like some people like at a show just need the pat on the back. Like you're going to do great today. Right. And some people do good with like, Hey, like, did you think about that? Like this option's riding this way, that the other. And so like, is it helpful for you to have someone, I think we talked about this at, um, Kentucky, right? Like you don't, you don't like to hear how the course is riding. You just want to go stick to your plan. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, right? unless something is like riding completely differently, you know, like if, if someone's leaving a stride out here or there, like I'm going to ride my horse and figure that out. But if some ride or some line is riding, like just, you know, totally different, then I probably want to know that. But you know, for little adjustments here and there, I, I want to stick to my my plan again because it's like you, I, I know my horse and, and how they might react to different uh, approaches and setups and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and just knowing that like about yourself, like if your friend's going to be like, oh my gosh, like that jump out there, it's like terrifying everyone. Like that's not going to yeah. make you feel I don't, good. I don't want to hear like, that. Six yeah. <laughs> I don't want to hear that before I'm getting on. Yeah. But, uh, anyways, um, for my community point, I was, uh, you know, enlisting a friend or a random stranger at the show to video you. Like, you know, like you have your cell phone. Hey, I'm here by myself. Do you mind if I video? Uh, that's the the best way that you can engage in self-reflection is have videos that you can review. And, uh, you know, again, my sport's different. I went to Atlanta. I'm competing against someone else, like, in the ring. I didn't have friends with me. I didn't have a coach with me. I was there completely by myself. And afterwards, I went up to the girls that I fought against and like, hey, like, congratulations, like really good out there. Like, is there any chance like you could send me the video? Because they all have like support mm -hmm. teams and coaches and all that stuff. I'm like, you've got the video. I'd like to see it. And so I got that and I got to send it with my to my coach. I got to watch it. And I got to get more out of that experience, not just because I had the video, but also because I went up and talked to my competitor. Like, hey, awesome. Like I, I connected with the people in my group. I had that sense of community and it makes it a lot better when you lose to be like joking around with the people that beat you like, Oh, like really good job. And, uh, like I said, I had like a really good time in that regards for community, but getting those videos, having that friend or, you know, throwing your phone at a random stranger here. And, and, it, and if someone, if, yeah, well, if someone steals your phone, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> but if someone asks you, hey, can you video me, like, do that for that person. Like, if you're just standing around at a show, get that video or take videos and send it to them. That's what I do with, like, riders that I know are, like, working students mm -hmm. or something. If I ever had a chance to, like, video them, I'd be like, Poo -doo -doo -doo, and then, like, send it to them because I know they're not going to have a chance to have someone videoing them. They're working. They're doing all this stuff. Like, get those videos for people. Send them and be that person in the community as well. I love that because that's so relatable. Like when I was a working student, you just like, you're just busy working away and you oftentimes don't have anyone that can 
take the video. So it's always a nice surprise when somebody sends it to you and like, oh, I saw this or I saw your ride, you know, thought you might want to see it. That's, that's just good, good things, passing them on. So community. community. Very cool. Yeah. Well, speaking of video, Emily, it looks like your trading tip of the month has something to do with it. Yeah, that. I figured I would just piggyback off of your your point about the importance of video. So my tip of the month is to run through and video a dressage test or, you know, if you don't do dressage, maybe a jump round or something, but I'm just going to talk about it in terms of a dressage test here. And so I want you to run through the test, take video, then print out the test so you can actually see like what the movements are and um, right next to the movement, there'll be like directive ideas. And so you can see what the judge is supposed to be looking for and how they're scoring it. And I think it really helps to understand exactly how the test um, goes and you know like how the movements are broken down because sometimes you know you'll be doing a move from one letter to another letter but then actually there's a few letters that aren't even like judged necessarily um or just just kind of like really knowing the ins and outs of your tests and also what uh your the judge is looking for and so once you're watching this video you have the test printed out Maybe just go through and score yourself and chances are you're your own worst critic. You know, like I doubt you'll be giving yourselves any tens unless you really nail something. But, um, you know, it's just kind of a fun exercise to do. And I I think it helps with your understanding of, of the test and also visually being able to like see what you do um, can again help with your ability to think for yourself when you're actually at a competition. I love it. I love it. And also like you can share this video with a trainer for feedback and, you know, I'm happy to offer the service if anyone listening would like my assistance, just throwing it out there. So get in there. Yeah. Like, I think it's really helpful to have that video and that comparison. And I tell people all the time, like when you're setting your goals for your dressage test, do you go and read your dressage test of like what you're supposed to be looking for? That stuff is really helpful when we think about being uh, someone that can think for ourselves, someone that can set effective goals. Well, what are the goals? What are the resources that we have available to us? We have a dressage test that literally says, this is what I'm looking for. So work towards that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So what's your grooming tip of the month? So Emily, I'm actually curious to hear if this has worked for you because I I thought of it when we were talking, Emily has a uh, horse that came overseas and has like very sensitive skin. And for me in the past, like if you have a horse that has like chronic hives, one of the best things that you can do is switch your shampoo to a vino baby oil, uh, sorry, baby oatmeal shampoo. So it's like very, uh, formulated for babies so formulated to be very sensitive skin oriented and then 
uh, baby oil baths, which basically you're going to put baby oil in a bucket after you give the bath and then just do a like baby oil water sponge and then just scrape them off. Don't spray the baby oil off. It like adds oil back to the skin. And so if they're prone to hives, you've got the sensitive oatmeal shampoo helping prevent hives. And then you've got the baby oil putting natural oils back in the skin. I find the baby oil uh, bath is also like absolutely essential after you clip a horse, um, especially in the South when you've got all the funk. But um, so I, I recommended this to Emily and her horse still got hives. And I was wondering if it was the water, uh, like has the Aiken water been kinder to Newman or wh- where are we Yeah, at? so Newman, very sensitive boy. Um, he, when he first got down to Aiken, well, he got clipped right before he went to Aiken and Emma clipped him and, you know, suggested the same thing. It's like, I got to add oil back into his coat because, you know, he's a little bit dry and then that like doesn't help with the sensitiveness. Um, so anyways, uh, he did get some hives after he got clipped. Um, and then when we got down to Aiken, the sand, he got some hives. I gave him some decks for a few days that kind of helped that. And now, now I think we're doing better because I gave him a bath yesterday and he does not have hives today. So I love um, it. maybe it was the water in Pennsylvania. I'm not really sure, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's doing better. I just have to, I think that adding the oil back in is a great tip. So very cool. Very cool. Well, I've got it worked out. Um, so guys, yeah, like that's pretty much the episode. Um, we do have a couple dates that are sort of flagged as potential clinic dates if anyone's interested in having us out uh probably sooner rather than later to coordinate like travel schedules um i know flights are super expensive right now so uh some of those dates that we have on the calendar may 6th and 7th june 24th and 25th july 15th and 16th and we'll work on getting some fall dates together as well Shout out to our Wisconsin friends who try to have us out when it's very cold outside. We would love to come to you in the summer. <laughs> yes. Summer in Wisconsin is much better than summer in the winter. So I hope <laughs> to see see some Wisconsin friends then. Um, and also, if you are interested, I have all the information you could possibly need about hosting a clinic with like cost breakdown and, and then how we like to do the schedule. So that is ready for anyone who would be interested in seeing if that's something they want to host. Awesome. Yeah. Well, anyway, we hope that this episode has encouraged you to be confident in your ability to ride by yourself at a show or even at home. Um, Please be sure to find us on uh, the whole equestrian Facebook or Instagram page. Uh, we have a whole equestrian community group as well that's always open for new members. Uh, I'd love to see some more interaction with there, like especially as we get our show season going. Love to see your guys' accomplishments and goals and everything you're getting after. Uh, love hearing from our listeners, and we're always open for content uh, suggestions as well. Uh, this this episode came from someone that I know. They said, oh, I just really can't think for, for myself at a show. I was like, that's a great podcast idea. So uh, we really appreciate all those tips and all those suggestions. And 
we uh, we love our listeners. Yeah, so thanks for that suggestion, and also thanks so much for listening. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness. And in the meantime, enjoy the ride.